I just need to send something to a friend real quick. I too have friends. Uh, show off. <laughs> Welcome back to Monging Your Ears. My name is Corey. Uh, Pax is with me again. Hey, yeah, I'm here again. Yeah, and we have a first-time guest. Grant is with us as well. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, uh, glad to have you. Uh, Helen and April are not with me today because uh, Helen refused to read One Piece. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Basically, my job on this show is to come in and talk about long-running shonen adventure comics, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you, and rant about them nonstop. You're, you're what we call a ringer, yeah. I believe. Yeah. <laughs> the shit that Helen doesn't want to talk about. Um, yeah, so we're here to talk about One Piece, uh, which you may or may not have heard of. It's very long. I've seen several uh, threads, tweets, whatchamacallits from people just catching up on it recently. Um, back to your buddy Casey recently did a catch up on it. Uh, and uh, who else has done some? Kate and Kyle. Um, yeah, a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so One Piece started in 1997. Mm. Uh, for those that don't know, so it is it is 21 years old. It can drink. It is old enough to drink. Coming to Ogre Uh Hopefully next year. It's at 90 volumes, I think. That's a lot. I just wanted to mention those things. It it started when I was in elementary school i think yeah yeah i was in middle school yeah, uh, yeah. see i was seven one yeah. piece is one piece is old enough to be starting its own podcast at this point <laughs> i mean let's be real <laughs> one piece has been old enough to have its own podcast yeah. <laughs> uh so like before we really jump into like one what one piece is about and then our general thoughts and we will we will be talking through the alabaster arc uh we will not be discussing much if anything after that uh grant has not gotten there yet so we don't want to spoil him um it's true yeah so before we talk about one piece in general how do you how did you two get into one piece and uh pax i think you've been reading one piece for longer than either of us uh so what brought you along to it i don't remember <laughs> uh, I, I mean so like in the early days of naruto i was really into that this would have been you know 15 years ago um i was really into that for a while and then i fell off of it and i had people constantly telling me hey you should check out one piece you should check out one piece it's like all right screw it fine i'll watch one piece so i started watching (laughs) the anime and this was yeah again probably this is well over 10 years ago um and i started watching the anime i watched through to i want to say like water seven or I, I got to Water 7 in One Piece watching the anime. And around there, the way that the anime was paced started to drive me insane. Uh, because it's horribly paced, really, really slowly. Mm. Uh, extremely frustrating. Um, and eventually I said, I can't do this anymore. And I switched to the manga 
and I've more or less been reading the manga since. So, um, and when I switched to the manga, I read through everything again, uh, and then kind of just stuck to um, the manga from that point. I haven't watched any anime of it other than some of the movies since then because I just yeah it's just too much. But yeah, once I read the manga, I f- honestly like I liked the anime. I fell in love with the manga, especially. Mm in that a lot of what we're going to be talking about today so yeah 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 my uh my journey was similar i i watched the anime after people was told called me to watch it uh at the time i was like super into english dubs so um i actually jumped off the anime bandwagon around water seven not because of the facing but because the dub was too slow to release it um <laughs> and then i just started reading the manga from there i've actually not uh, read the manga version of what we're about to talk about, uh, despite this being a manga podcast. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I do know the general flows of it. Uh, but what about you, Grant? Uh, well, uh, I, uh, similar to, to, to Pat, have resisted One Piece for a very, very long time. I've always been sort of aware of it in the ether. Um, but I, uh, you know, I watched Dragon Ball religiously. Um, multiple times, like every time Toonami would loop back around, I would put it back on TV and have it in the background or something like that, so I'd seen that run a number of times, and it sort of wore me out on Shonen for a while. Uh, I never really was able to get into Naruto. Um, I watched Fist of the North Star and loved that, uh, and those were kind of my two pillars for a very long time, uh, and only really recently, reluctantly, got into some other long-running Shonen, because I just felt like I didn't have the the stamina to do it anymore, you know, um, but gotten into Jojo's Bizarre Adventure and last year, particularly watching, uh, Gintama, uh, all of that in under a year, uh, sort of emboldened me to take on bigger series, I guess. And what bigger series is there than one piece? So, uh, I decided to pick up the manga and start reading. And, um, I, I guess it's hard to, I don't mean to self promote, I guess, but I, I sort of intrinsically, it's tied into my sort of Twitter, Existence because I was like, well, I'll just do a chapter a day and see what people think of that, and uh, that has been far and away the only thing that has ever mattered that I've ever done on Twitter. So <laughs> it's like ridiculous. people like that stuff. Yeah. People eat it up. So you know, and I don't know if it's just because I'm the latest one doing it or what, but that people have really responded in a big way to that. And uh, yeah, so I'm currently reading through, and I am now in the Skypea arc or Skypea. I don't know how it's pronounced. I'm only reading the manga. Um, but I'm reading that, and uh, so that's where I'm at right now. So I guess that's about 230 chapters or so, and I'm just kind of ticking away one chapter a day. And uh, I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm really loving it, but a lot of my resistance was due to its length. And uh, I guess if I'm being perfectly honest, still images, like promotional images of One Piece, like the character designs, didn't do very much for me. Um, Honestly, they didn't do that. That was a big part of why I resisted it. Yeah. Like, back in the day was like the... Yeah, the art didn't, like, scream to me back mm-hmm. then. Yeah, um, it doesn't... Those those promo, especially the... I don't know, something about the colored promo images don't do anything for me, but I love, you know, black and white line art, obviously. Uh, yeah, I don't like his color and, stuff either, actually. Yeah, it's not... It doesn't... It's not as evocative when it's the black and white, and it particularly... Um, I guess the, the characters looked very sort of stilted. I mean, I know there's still images, but the promo art didn't... They didn't look like very vibrant character designs to me. And yet, reading the manga, I've just been like overwhelmed by how expressive and wonderful the characters are. So, like, I, I've done like a complete 180 on the art. I'm in love with Oda's style now. Yeah, the color pages uh, always feel like kind of really busy and really too, yeah. too colorful, maybe. Um, mm. 
but then like you see his double page sprigs of like something epic and awesome happening and you're like yeah this is the shit yeah <laughs> um so we've gotten to this point without really talking about what one piece is about uh but what mm. one piece's story uh like overarching story is pretty simple uh in a grand scheme of things it's just about this this kid teenager like late teens named luffy uh, and he wants to be the king of the pirates and to do so he has to sail across the uh the grand line he's started in the east blue and gone to the grand line and uh uh just sails across like this entire stretch of uh water that is in this world like it doesn't appear to be earth i i don't really understand the map still um just by looking at it several times but uh, along the way he just picks up a bunch of friends and uh makes a bunch of acquaintances uh and which some of which uh, eventually become his crew members and that that's pretty <laughs> pretty much it uh for the story of one piece so do you have anything else to add i mean that's the that's the boilerplate version of what it's about mm. i mean ultimately it's about like it, the adventure of these well this pirate crew of friends like that's what it's actually about you know what i yeah. mean you know like yeah there's all this other stuff but it's like what you're there for is all, all your friends adventures right. yeah and definitely there, there's a, a heavy emphasis on world building and oda's just sort of um willingness to to keep growing the world i mean i'm only really i guess about a less than a quarter of the way through it and even still it's just the world building that he will do like he'll just all of a sudden just start laying out these world concepts and it just keeps kind of growing laterally which is uh just exciting to watch so i'm always i love to watch fantasy worlds and stuff grow organically like that so it starts out with a pretty I mean, relatively simple premise, and yet you just you keep seeing more and more of the world as you go, and that's spirit engrossing. Yeah, he does have a a way about like gradually revealing these things that never feels too contrived, like in Bleach when yeah. he just kept adding stuff. But so, what was uh, what was the first moment? Because we all had a little bit of reluctance getting to getting into One Piece, but what was like that first moment where you're like, oh yeah, One Piece is great? What was that for you? Hmm. I mean, I know for myself, um, I, I guess I, I don't know if I could say there was like a definite point where I was like all in, except for, I mean, in the very first chapter, uh, not to be like, I, I was an early adopter, but like I was, I was reluctant for a very long time and I wasn't sure if this experiment of reading one piece was going to really, like if I was going to follow through on it, I was like, am I even going to like it? Am I going to want to read 900 chapters of this or, um, but I remember I, uh, cause I, talk about usually the, the chapter and a, a panel I pick from it and talk about it afterwards but that wasn't really my initial intent but after that very first when he's fighting that sea monster and there's that shot where he's like stretching his arm up and punching it in the cheek and I kept reflecting on that like I realized like a full day later I was still thinking about that panel and how good it looked and just like how vibrant and energetic it was and just kind of the like the, the punt like the, the squishiness of the dragon's like cheek from getting hit, and I was like, man, I'm still thinking about that panel. I really should probably talk about that, and that's when I realized that maybe I was kind of onto something special. I was like, if I'm still thinking about one chapter of manga a day later, like, that's that's got to be a sign of something, you know? So that's kind of where I was, and then it's just only gotten more from there. What about you, Vex? I'm thinking about this, and I have kind of an answer. Um, it's a goofy one. Uh, so... Goes a little uh, further back, or not quite as it's a little after the first chapter, and it's um, 
but not that far, believe it or not. It's like 12 or 13 chapters in, and it's, okay, during the first encounter between Luffy and Nami and uh, Buggy and his pirates, and so it's like, or, and Zoro, sorry, Zoro's there too at this point, um, and Buggy's pirates wreck the the pet store that the dog is desperately trying to protect. I don't know if you guys remember this or not. Uh, it's yes. like it's like 12 chapters in and the dog like refuses to leave and is barking <laughs> as the house is burning down uh and that shit fucked me up um, <laughs> a lot i'm not gonna lie uh and like one you know it's emotional manipulation because that's what all of this is but like um that was where it's like oh this thing because then like Luffy in retaliation wrecks the shit out of those guys, mm-hmm. um, and that's like, oh, this is what this comic's about, in a in a really clear sense. Like that's like one of the first things that really stuck in my head, uh, as like a moment where, oh, this is like, this is what fucking matters. Because then Luffy gives the dog like a big, ba- like a bag of dog food that's left behind. Uh, right. Yeah, that shit ruled. Yes. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of the first thing for me. <laughs> I have no recollection of this, uh, but I guess I... It happens in both the anime and the manga. Yeah, true. Mm. And I, had, I hadn't uh, revisited it either. I remember, but it's not that much for me to remember at this point. I'm not that far. Yeah. <laughs> but it's definitely something really special. I mean, there's a... Especially, I guess, the... One thing that stands out to me particularly, I guess, with Luffy is that, like... You know, with a lot of shonen works, the protagonist, the, your, sort of your main lead is not really your, at least from my experience, is not my favorite character or even particularly all that enjoyable. Like, I usually don't like seeing them on screen, uh, with the exception of Kenshiro. Um, pretty much mo- most of these main characters, I'm like, I don't really care. You can show me the side characters. Like, that's where the interesting sort of events are. But Luffy is actually, like, an enjoyable lead. There's something that's just, I mean, he is very much a pure summer child. Like, he just, he is incredibly direct but he's not like obnoxious or he's not like a bad dad, like Goku or whatever. Like he's like, he's an enjoyable character to watch on screen and you, you genuinely do root for him. And he's, I mean, he is a blank slate. Most of these characters are, but he's got just enough personality that he feels like it's him. And when he acts in a, in a certain way, he doesn't feel like he's acting according to plot contrivances. It's just like, no, this is how this little boy feels. And he's going to punch that bad guy because they're bad. Like, and it works. Like it works really well. That's that's how it works. Yeah, yeah Luffy's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you guys have multitudes to him. Uh, so do you all have any favorite characters uh, through this part, through uh, through Alabasta? I mean, Usopp's my favorite character in One Piece. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've talked about Usopp uh, before. Right? Uh, yeah, I guess we have. Usopp's the best. Um... <laughs> He gets a enormous amount of growth even just within this chunk of the story, mm-hmm. and way more over the course of it, because he starts kind of from a really um, tough place um, as a character, because he's, you know, he's weak, he's a coward, he's not, like... Especially so, like, in the beginning, okay, so there's the, fir- the first five crew members, which are ultimately the ones you really know over this point. Yes, you also get Chopper at the towards the end of what we're the period we're talking about but of the first five people like luffy and zoro and 
Sanji are all are, are all extremely strong guys mm-hmm. and just kick ass. You know what I mean? Um, so they're not they're more or less not afraid of anything, um, especially Luffy, but all three of them really. Right. Um, Nami, and we can talk about stuff with Nami at length later. Um, Nami is very confident even if she's not as strong as them because she's way smarter than almost anybody else they ever encounter like she's unquestionably right, one of the yeah. smartest characters in the in the story um usopp isn't strong he's not especially smart either he's clever and he's crafty and those are his strengths in it and it's the way that his character kind of learns how to use those strengths uh, that make him really, really compelling to me. But also, he's a he's an enormous doofus uh, at the same time, so I just love seeing him be a <laughs> doofus. So yeah, um, no, he gets a lot of he gets a lot of really cool moments in in the major arcs that we're going to be talking about in a minute. I'm sure that I can talk about at length again. Um, but yeah, I love Usopp a lot. Mm. I don't know if you wanted me to talk about Straw Hat crew members or other people, but that's, uh, yeah. yeah. it could be anybody. I mean, yeah, it's hard not to love Usopp. He is, I mean, he's very easy to identify with on pretty, pretty much everything that he does. You're like, he's so bad at everything, just like I would be in the same situation. <laughs> or he's scared, just like I would be, or whatever. Um, but he's really great, and I mean, we do get the moment with the with Usopp's hammer, at least up until this point, which is a really exciting moment for him, like Pat was saying, with the, him growing. Um, Zoro is great, because Three Swords, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, like, Three Swords style is ridiculous and amazing. Um, I also really enjoy the villains, uh, Buggy particularly. Um, any I villain, love Buggy. <laughs> any villain that, I mean, it, Buggy's a really good example of, like, early on being like, whoa, okay, these villains... I guess at least these early villains. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure past this, but I was uh, pretty impressed with the variety of uh, sort of villainous attacks, like it, just like the the creative ways in which they would use their powers, like Buggy's ability to detach and fly his limbs around. It's just like a really cool shtick, and Oda uses it really well. Very uh, inventive, yeah. especially yeah. like yeah. I think that's a big point. Like it's so early on that mm-hmm. you get such a weird character like Buggy. Yeah, he's a weird like kind of first villain to lead with. Like You just think, like, oh, it's just going to be like a big guy and Luffy will punch him and he'll die or something. Mm-hmm. And like the way they beat him is super goofy, too. Because, mm-hmm. like, I, 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 I reread some of One Piece to get ready for this, but I didn't have time to reread all of it. Um if I recall correctly, they, like, catch his other parts in a net, and then he just can't recombine himself, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. That happens. Yeah. It's like, um, it's stupid. It's not, again, you're right, it's not just punching the guy, it's... Yeah, which you'd expect. You'd expect, yeah. you know, kind of early on, you're like, well, we're not going to get too weird with it, we're still trying to meet the, the main cast, but... No, it's really great, and that, um... Uh, or guys like Crocodile, he's just, like, he's got such such panache and, and Arlong. Like they just all these villains are, are sort of none of them feel disposable. Um and I guess just kind of a I don't know. I, I really enjoy all the characters, but Usopp, Zoro, and Buggy are definitely standouts for me. And I like Nami a lot, like because like Pat was saying, she's uh, clearly the most intelligent and sort of crafty of the crew. She multiple times at this point has, even this early on, has tried to leave the crew with all the money. Um <laughs> and the development that she gets and why she's after that 
is like just gut wrenching. Just I mean, rip my heart out and throw it against the wall. Um, but uh, yeah, no, they're all the, the cast is really strong. Generally, it's hard to pick just one, even even two favorites, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, who's your favorite? Uh, you know, I I kind of like switched around favorites through the years. Uh, when I was first watching it, I was just kind of impressed and interested with the the kind of fighting style like Sanji went through. So uh, I liked him a lot, but uh, I realized now that he's uh, just a little problematic in the way he goes about liking women. Uh, mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then I've also liked uh, Zoro as a uh, as a parallel to me. I get lost very easily. Uh, so I, I, I feel you, Zoro, when you walk in the wrong direction and you assume you're going the right direction. <laughs> um... But yeah, mostly I agree with. Uh, There's some I want to I want to actually not. It just popped into my head um, because you're talking about Zoro getting lost and stuff. Um, there's a moment. It's towards the end of Alabasta um, where he's supposed to be getting to the city square because they're all trying to find the bomb at the end of Alabasta, and everyone tells him like a bunch of uh, soldiers or whatever tell him to run north. So he climbs up the clock tower because he because he equated north with top. Like he pops his head out and everyone's like, "Why are you up there?" And he's like, "Well, they told me to run north, so I went I went up the <laughs> north and up on the same thing." Uh, oh, my wonderful dumb children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. a smart guy. One piece is very. God, the early parts of One Piece are fucking yeah. great. Yeah, uh, it's really good. And I love the... I'm going to just take over the podcast <laughs> yeah. for a minute, I think. Um, so I I reread two parts. I didn't have time to reread everything because I was like, oh, yeah, I should do this for this podcast. Then it was Sunday, and we're recording on Monday. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I can't reread 25 volumes or whatever in two days. So I read... 15 volumes in two days or something. Um, so I reread Arlong Park and I reread all of Alabasta. Or really, mm. I just really more or less read from Arlong Park through Alabasta, but I skipped most of Drum Island. God, I love the early parts of One Piece so damn much. It's so good. Yeah, it's really, um, really good. It's so. Um, so, can I talk about why Arlong Park is basically perfect? Uh, as a comic, uh, sure. like, like, yeah, like getting to like sure. specific arcs. Yeah, um, Arlong Park is basically perfect as a comic book story arc, as far as I'm concerned. It's kind of got. It's the first moment where, okay, so the entire the first the the core five members of the initial five members of the crew mm-hmm. are all kind of together for the first time, and it does such a good job of highlighting everything that makes one piece special mm. because it, it lets every member of the crew shine and shine brilliantly. Um, it tell it, it, it brilliant. It, it demonstrates the heart of the comic really, really well. It, it shows you what really matters about this comic and it's the friendships and the people and like, it's the first time really where it feels like, oh, this is going places. It's really starting to move. You started you started to get hints of it. You met Mihawk. 
Um, and it's like, oh, this is there's bigger things happening. And then you arrive at Arlong Park, and it's this big moment. It's like this is a big guy. This is this is no joke anymore. It feels like it's mm-hmm. finally yeah. something that Oda has planned and is paying off now. Yeah, it's right, starting to pay right. off. It's I mean, it's uh, how many volumes into um uh into the comic is it like eight something like that? That sounds right. Um. Yeah, it's like I think it starts in volume seven, like like Nami runs off in volume seven, so it's like it's like sixty chapters into the comic, where and it's like so you've got the crew kind of put together and now they're trying to figure out why the heck Nami left. And Luffy's goal is Nami is part of our crew; she needs to come back. Yeah. That, that's it. That's his. That's what he's. That's the level he's operating on. Mm-hmm. She's my friend. She is part of my crew. I don't care about anything else. I'm going to get her back. Right, right. He has the simplest and, ideas of friendship, and that's like part of the endearing thing about the comic and about Luffy overall. Exactly. And it handles it so brilliantly because they arrive there and they arrive into an awful situation that's kind of. From based on what we've seen so far, much bigger than anything they've dealt with before. Like they've dealt with some mean pirates and things like that, but not like an entire island that's basically been taken over and overrun by evil fishmen that are murdering people and all sorts of horrible things just to kind of, you know, line their own coffers. And then you find out Nami's origin. Like Nami's like life story. And it's fucking heartbreaking, and so well done, and I love every bit of it, because it's like it's this it's like this girl who's gone through some horrible shit in her life, who's just like counting on this one thing, like she's lived with one thing in her mind for eight years, so she can free, ostensibly her family from these horrible people's clutches, mm-hmm. um, and they and they fuck with her and screw her over and yeah so i'm just i i, I feel free to chime in whenever you guys want because i mean i can keep this rant going for a while um because okay so the most iconic scene in this arc and probably like this one of the two or three most iconic bits in one piece is like up to this point luffy has refused to hear out anything about what's what the deal with um, Nami is. He's not interested in the backstory. He's not interested in anything else. Like you said, Corey, he's got a very simplistic view of we are friends. You need to you need to come here and rejoin our crew and be my navigator. And then he finds her in the middle of the street stabbing her tattoo with a knife. Right, right. Because she's been screwed over by Arlong, who basically paid, bribed um, uh, these Marines that he has in his pocket uh, to rob Nami to stop her from being able to buy herself and her town from his clutches. And she's stabbing herself with this knife, and basically in in tears, it's like she's finally reached a breaking point as a... Like, in dealing with the situation, because she doesn't want to ask them for help, because in her mind, they can't actually beat the fishmen. 
Um, right. And she, in tears, asks Luffy to help her. And then Luffy puts his hat on her head, and he and the other four, other three uh, members of the crew walk off together to go take care of business. And again, it's one of the absolute most iconic images in the co- in the comic for good reason because it's incredible and it fucking rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, I know I'm not really supposed to swear no, on the show. I think okay. okay, it fucking rules um, <laughs> because it's such a it's such an brilliant image because again he has these simple views of friendship and to him the ultimate crime uh isn't you know just leaving or stealing from somebody or whatever it's making one of his friends cry right it's like i'm going to go and beat this guy's ass because you made nami crying them insulting them in any way yeah, insulting their dreams, all of that is like mm-hmm. that is like the, the central thesis of One Piece <laughs> is that idea and really that moment in a lot of ways. So yeah, I mean I agree, cosine all of the above. Uh, it's that that moment with Nami and the tattoo and the hat. It's just all really really powerful stuff, and I think the I think that's part of the the it's a good kind of realization moment for everyone involved there. Just kind of that like I guess that Luffy's everything with Arlong, the way it sort of feels like such a, a step up is that, you know, Arlong isn't just powerful because he is strong or because he has goons, which is your, you know, standard kind of villain tropes, but that he's, you know, he's got people on the payroll, like that you're starting to step into this much wider world where Luffy's sort of dream of being King of the pirates. You're realizing he's going to run afoul of a lot of different, not just powerful individuals, but powerful organizations, ones that ostensibly should be there to help people, like, say, the Navy, like, and you start to realize, like, no, he's really going to have to take on, like, a lot of groups, and he's going to, and he's not going to care. Like, there's no compromising for him. Like, you can already tell. Like, he's just a good boy who's going to help his friends and also become King of the Pirates. So, like, you start to realize, like, man, he's going to have to take on, like, basically all the powers that be, even, you know, the quote-unquote, the good guys, like the Navy and stuff. So that's just kind of, like, it feels like, okay, we're crossing some sort of Rubicon here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and the what's great about like Arlong too is again I mentioned it like at the beginning of my rant, which is it does a really nice job of giving everyone real moments to shine. Uh really is like really the first time it does this where it's like everyone has someone they get to fight. Uh where Okay, so there's Arlong, who's obviously Luffy gets to fight, but then there's a group of underlings that everyone else gets to fight, too. So you get to see Sanji fight the the guy who has the ultimate fishman karate. Uh, it's like a 20th degree back black belt in fishman karate or something like that. And they they fight a bunch. They fight underwater. Sanji has to like be really clever about... Uh, getting out of the water because he's drowning in this battle with this guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he gets he gets to be really smart, and you get to see like him do interesting things. Usopp, as I mentioned, my favorite character, uh, gets some really great growth in this bit actually because he ends up fighting one of the top guys who's like a sucker fish, uh, fish man mm-hmm. who. Like, Usopp man- manages to lure him away and run away from him. And he tricks the guy into thinking he's, like, dead already. 
uh, from an attack. He fakes his de- own death, basically. And the guy starts to leave. And you can... And Lusop has, like, an inner monologue. Usopp. Lusop. Uh, <laughs> um, oh. Uh, Usopp has, like, this inner monologue of, Oh, man, I survived. Thank God. Oh, it's going to be okay. I hope everyone else is okay. Man, this guy's going back. Wait, I probably shouldn't let this guy go back. I should actually fight him. And then he gets back up and continues to fight him and beats him in the end uh, with his own, you know, ingenuity and cleverness. Because ultimately, like, the guy's kicking his butt, but it's like, well, he's a fish man. I'm going to light him on fire. And he lights him on fire and wins. <laughs> it's, it's really simple. Zorro, I'm going to keep going, sorry. Uh, Zorro's moment is great too because Zoro's fighting the octopus guy who's got a million who's got six swords he uses a six sword style against Zoro's three sword style <laughs> um, but he's not nearly as good as Zoro and Zoro is just like the thing about Arlong Park is it happens immediately after the um happens immediately after everything in Baratier the 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 giant restaurant where he's basically has an enormous like gashing wound in his chest from Mihawk um and Zoro is still fighting he wrecks a ton of the guys by himself before anyone else shows up um he then fights this guy with the six sword style and during this battle his shirt like starts to fall apart and it's exposed how awful like the um the wounds on his chest are and it's like everyone bursts into tears like nami's like bursts in tears and shock over it and the response is how is this man still standing it's like let alone alive you know what i mean it's like how is this man still standing how is he still fighting and he's still fighting and he wins and he basically just passes out after that because he can't really do anything anymore. Uh, and yeah, nearly dies. But it's like, here is um, here is this guy who's so stubborn that he'll more or less fight past his own death for his t- friends, for his own honor, ultimately. Mm-hmm. It's friggin' great. Ugh. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Sorry, I got real passionate about this shit. It's too fresh in my head because I read it all like last night. Um, and now, to finish my rant on on Arlong Park, I want to talk about the actual best moment in Arlong Park, uh, which the most iconic moment is unquestionably the hat thing. Yeah. My favorite moment is later on, and it's during uh, the fight between Arlong and Luffy. And they've been fighting back and forth for a while. Um, Arlong's, you know, started, like, doing this, like, supercharge attack where he's, like, dashing at him from the water and stuff. Mm-hmm. Super doofy looking. Because he's got a big, like, pointy nose. Um, and he's pulled out, like, this enormous, like, shark sword that he's fighting Luffy with now. And now they're fighting inside Arlong Park, the actual building. And over the course of that, they Luffy gets knocked into the map room, which is Nami's like bedroom in Arlong Park. Mm-hmm. And Arlong starts going on about what this room is. 
and Luffy looks around and he realizes what this room is, that it's it's the literal manifestation of Nami's prison, mm-hmm. of being trapped in this world, of being forced to draw maps for this awful monster man. Um, and he has two things. One, he gets so mad that he breaks Arlong's sword with his bare hand. Yeah. <laughs> like, Arlong is... He overpowers Arlong when he tries to attack him with his sword uh, and just shatters it with his fingers. And then he goes wild and destroys the entire room, just throwing all the furniture out, wrecking Mm -hmm. it, destroying all the maps. And it's like this literal, it's like a literal and metaphorical, I'm freeing you from this prison. You don't have to be trapped here anymore. Right. Uh, you don't. You're not stuck with this guy anymore. You're free, and it's so good, and it's so like that's the moment where like for Luffy it becomes more than just you're my friend. It becomes this is a literal hell, and I'm not letting uh, I'm not letting you be trapped here anymore. Kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All One piece is really good. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Arlong Park definitely is just like a. You definitely like it. This is something else. This is something different. It's not just the punching and the good powers. Like there's some real like emotional heft here, and it's. I think what's so surprising is because like Luffy and Usopp and stuff like that, and Zoro, like they're these are ostensibly pretty simple characters, all things considered. Like they don't. All pretty you're, doofy for that matter. Yeah, and they're they're doofuses, you know. And I think that's but that's a really important thing. And I say the same thing about Gintama too. Is that like character-driven comedy, like comedy that informs you about the characters, can make the drama more impactful. Um, and I think it's probably what makes it as impactful as it is because you're not really expecting it, or because you you know comedy teaches us like how we laugh and what we laugh at, and and having those vulnerable moments like, teaches us just as much as, as anything else, really. Like, more than just, like, a constant stream of drama. So you get really invested in these characters when they're, you know, when Luffy's goofing around and Chopper's goofing around, like, when they're all just doing dumb stuff on the ship, which is really some of my favorite parts, too. Like, all this, the moments, like, in-between arcs where they're just, like, being goofballs on the ship. Like, those moments tell you who the characters are. They're not just throwaway gags. Like, they're more information about They reinforce those characters' identities. So then when it is dramatic... It's just so good. Yep. Yeah, and uh, that uh, Arlong Park arc is like, a, as we, or as I, whoever mentioned it, I think I mentioned it, whatever. Uh, as we mentioned before, uh, the Arlong Park arc is like a culmination of everything. There's there's these little moments that happen uh, in the previous arcs where you get kind of like pieces of Arlong Park, like when Zoro gets cut. Uh, or when Sanji like leaves the Baratier, when Usopp jumps onto the <laughs> the the going merry, and he's like, "But I'm the captain." Uh, like, there's all these silly moments, there's all these cool moments throughout, uh, but it didn't really come together until Arlong Park, where uh, everything is like, "Oh, this is what One Piece is about." Like, we saw everything before that, but it was all split between these arcs. But now it's all all in one thing. We get it now. Mm-hmm. Right. Also, Arlong Park's not very. Arlong Park's just about four volumes long. That's a good length. Which is like, as you talk, as as we talk about One Piece going forward, and as you continue reading it, Grant, that's brief for One Piece story <laughs> arcs now. Um, and it's 
kind of perfect in that sense. It doesn't feel too long, and it's like really, really perfectly paced. Uh, that's a big part of why I love it a lot, mm. and that's a big part of why I'm comfortable saying things like it's basically perfect, uh, is because <laughs> of that. Yeah, I mean, like, one of the most most recent arcs uh, was going on for, like, two years, two and a half years or something, wasn't it? Yeah, like, some of the more recent arcs have gotten to that kind yeah. of length. That's, that's a lot of comics, my yeah. dudes. <laughs> a lot of, it's a lot of them, yeah. man. <laughs> I don't talk this passionately about a lot of uh, more recent One Piece. I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> uh, so before we move on to on to Alabaster, do we have any thoughts on the the, the previous arcs? Uh, what, what were the previous arcs like? The the initial East Blue stuff, um, Usopp's entire thing, and then the Baratia entire thing, right? Yeah, I like the Baratier quite a bit, just because the idea of, um, I guess, what the thing that I enjoyed about Baratier uh, was, I mean, Red Zeph is great. Um, some really good fights there, just on the ships in general, but I, I really liked that um, this sort of, this this traveling restaurant boat, like, what that sort of, in a world-building sense, like, what that means, like, that life happens so much out on the seas, you have to have this independent floating restaurant to feed people and stuff like that. Like, this that sort of thing, that it's this it's a it's a definitely a weird concept because it's not like a cruise ship per se i mean it kind of is but it's also just like no we have these big traveling restaurants boats and like you're you're kind of in for something different like it's not just going to be going from island to island to island uh it's there's also going to be weird stuff out at sea and all that which is of course a preview for eventually getting to the grand line itself which like getting to the grand line is like such a big moment like the the bizarre sort of weather patterns and having to like ride up into the air and fighting all these sea monsters like you really start to get into this like very bizarre territory that it doesn't necessarily feel like that's where it's going to begin with like you're not necessarily prepped for how strange the flora and fauna and just like the the literal weirdness of the grand line yeah um it's it it's the first time you actually get hints of the real bigger world out there like the villain in that arc is a pirate who couldn't cut it in the grand line. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, like who his crew got wrecked and they end up and he ends up running back to the East Blue because he can't handle it. Um, and then you get the first encounter with Mihawk, who's who's you know a um one of the warlords of the sea. Um, and like this bigger, like larger than life character. And he's, and he's presented as insanely powerful, far beyond any of them at that moment. Mm-hmm. He nearly kills Zoro. Right. Um, like a lesser man would have died kind yeah. of thing. Uh, yeah. So, uh, it's a really nice, it's, it's when you start to really feel the bigger world of one piece, I think. Yeah. yeah, definitely is dropping um, a couple things like Mihawk, like uh, not being able to survive in the Grand Line in that arc. And and I do think like cool. So they like okay, here's this. He can't survive in the Grand Line, but like, um, how that informs what you think what like what the heck could happen on the Grand Line that it's that much different kind of thing. Right. I do think one of the cool things about reading the early stuff again after, you know, reading it for so long is you see a lot of that world building stuff early on 
Mm-hmm. You go, holy crap, this stuff like was set up way early in this comic. Stuff like Mihawk, but then also one of the cool things Oda does is he tells stories in his like title title oh, pages yeah. right. for the chapters. Um, and those will have characters show up in them that don't show up in the proper story for like twenty volumes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and insane things like that. Characters come back in them. Characters you think are dead show back up in them. Things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's like I'm not as obsessed with a lot of the lore stuff in One Piece as some are, but he is incredibly good at that world building. And there's lots of I, mean, I think that's another thing too, like telling a whole other set of side stories just on your your sort of splash, like you know cover pages like that. Or there was something that I totally missed that somebody pointed out to me as I was going through um, one of the sequences. Uh, well, I guess it's post-Alabasta, so maybe, but it's just a little thing, so I, I won't, it's not really a spoiler, but there's a thing where they end up diving for a little bit, mm. and there's this sort of running background thing where, like, the crew encounter, like, you don't, it's not spoken, it's not front and center visually, but, like, the crew encounters a squid underwater, <laughs> they bring it back up on deck, and then cook it, and then later Luffy's eating it, and, like... I completely missed that little visual gag, but it's like a, it's like a, you know, in terms of being a B plot or a C plot, it's like an F plot, but there just happens to be this background visual gag of the, the sort of this, the, the life and death of this squid that the crew finds. <laughs> and it's, I just, somebody pointed that to me. It's like, Oh my God, I completely missed that. And like how much effort must have gone into that too. Like on top of everything else, like, by the way, guys, I want to tell the story about a squid that gets eaten. Like, <laughs> Yeah, those little stories, uh, they eventually get, like, weirder, funnier, uh, you, you wonder, like, where this is going, uh, it's interesting, I like him a lot. Yeah, it's always been, like, one of my favorite little things yeah. he did, uh, or does, is, like, use, use all, he uses all the space to tell his story. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. I guess, like, leading, leading off from that, I love, I, I like the, uh, Talking about world building some more, um, um, Logtown, um, where they where they get to Logtown, which is the uh, port town where Gold Roger was executed, mm-hmm. and um, it's just like a it's just like a little town right next to uh, Reverse Mountain, which is the mountain you have to sail up to enter the Grand Line. Which is also a great bit, um, and it, that's a really cool moment because you see a bunch of new characters that you never seen before uh, that end up sticking around. You see Buggy come back again. You see Alvita from yep. the first chapter come back again. Yeah, even though she's more or less a completely different character because she's redesigned as a hot lady like every other woman. Um, in the yeah. Oda style. In the Oda style. <laughs> Um, you see Tashigi, who's this uh, marine swordswoman who's obsessed with legendary swords, who looks identical to Zoro's childhood friend, um, who kind of ends up being like a rival character for him. And you meet Smoker, who's a really cool oh, like Navy Smoker. captain, and he sticks around more or less forever after this yep. point. Um and just keeps coming back because he's cool as hell and he gets pissed because they get away, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's like, well, I'm going to chase them now. And he's he a very, just... he's like a swole Zinigata. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and like, 
he like he's supposed to be in charge of the town. He's supposed to be like the guy in charge there. And he's like, well, they got away. I'm chasing after them. Screw all this shit. And he just leaves. <laughs> you know, you see Luffy um, see like the, the platform where Gold Roger was executed. And then you meet a character named Dragon, uh, who's like just a complete mystery up to this point. Um, I think he is up to where we've talked about, so I'm going to stop saying anything about him. Okay. Uh, it's very cool. And then they go up Reverse Mountain and meet Laboon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The giant whale. (laughs) Which is very cool as well. Uh, And they meet a giant whale and they go inside him and he's got doors and ladders inside him and... It's super goofy, and I love him. It's so great and wonderful. <laughs> He's depressed because his friends have never come back from their trip around the Grand Line, and Luffy becomes his friend so he'll stop hurting himself. Yeah, because Laboon has like all these scars uh, up on his forehead area. Because he's been hammering his head into the, uh, is it, what is it called, the Red Line? Yeah, the re- I think that's what it's right. The, red the, line. the mountain that surrounds the yeah. Grand Line. Yeah. Uh, he starts ramming his head in. He's ramming his head into it because he's mad because his friends never came back. And he can't get through there. So Luffy, yeah, and he can't go up. So Luffy pa- paints the uh, straw hat flag on his nose and says, "We're friends, so stop hurting yourself." That's very poorly. <laughs> yes, he's he, that's his rudimentary design. I think Usopp's the one who draws the one that actually yeah. looks good. That's right. Yeah, and that brings us to. All of Alabasta. Yeah, Alabasta uh, is like the first really long arc, isn't it? Yeah, it's like the first, like it's like the first of what One Piece arcs kind of turn into, which is like a big thing that kind of spans. It has like a long build up to like where it hits the actual arc and then it goes and like climaxes on it. Mm-hmm. So it has like a lot of setup where you know they arrive on at the whale and. There's, like, the other part of the thing with the whale is there's these people, Mr. Nine and Miss Wednesday, who are trying to kill the whale to feed their village, and they stop them. And at the end, like, on a lark, Luffy agrees to give them back a ride back to their village, mm-hmm. which is called, called Whiskey Peak, which turns out to be a uh, village of bounty hunters working for a mysterious organization called Baroque Works. Uh... And then Zoro beats up a hundred of them by himself. Of course, as, as he does. Yeah. As he does. <laughs> Three swords, man. Three swords. Three swords. Um, and then we, f- and then you find out what the the story arc a- is actually about, which someone else can explain because I've been doing yeah. a lot of uh, ranting. So great, you're the one that that read it most recently. How would you describe uh, the Alabasta arc? So uh, Baroque Works is this sort of sinister organization with various levels of secrecy they have uh these covert teams that it's usually it's like a male female like pairing and each one is like a like a number like mr one mr five mr seven that sort of thing and then the men are numbers and the women are women are days right all sunday or, or miss wednesday or whatever and they don't necessarily always know who the people are above them. And then you have like the millions and the billions, like the goons that they have. But there's all these levels of secrecy because what they're what they're really doing is that Mr. Uh, is that uh, Crocodile, the sort of the, the ultimate villain here, uh, is trying to has been uh, sowing seeds of turmoil in Alabasta 
and is trying to perform a coup on the country and set up a war and in this sort of in the chaos of it take over the country because he has other aims he's you know of course he's searching for other items but he particularly needs alabasta basically out of the way and that is what ties in with vivi's character and her whole sort of uh, trying to get help for Alabasta and sort of save her people. So all of that just gets wrapped up in it. And Baroque Works is, um, even in a series that has a lot of cool characters and cool things going on, it's just a collection of really cool and interesting characters with really cool powers. And like Crocodile is just this like really imposing villain. He, you know, he, he's playing uh, a much more complicated game than many of the other characters have up until this point. So he, he's both, he's intelligent, he's insidious, he's powerful. Like he's just this really major threat. He's upstate, you know, he's sort of upsetting an entire political situation. And the straw hats really aren't, they're not used to that. I mean, they've certainly fought villains that have lots of goons or villains that have interesting powers, but sort of thrusting them in the midst of this. I mean, it's not a super complicated geopolitical landscape, but there's enough emotional stakes on every side of it. There's, the there's three clear sides in the conflict, right. which is yeah, like and like, like they said, can't they can't just punch everyone involved. They have to figure out what to do and how to save but, the day without necessarily yeah, punching everyone. Like punch but, right, um, right. <laughs> I think it's worth noting that the way that arc plays out, like Luffy basically goes, "I'm gonna go beat up Crocodile now." Like, he gets at a point, he loses his patience with all of that stuff, with all of Vivi's, like, trying to solve it all, like, mm-hmm. bullshit, and goes, I'm just gonna go kick his ass. <laughs> and, like, tr- tr- like, because that ultimately is his solution to the problem. That's the only way he understands it. Is I'm just, I mean,. It takes him three tries to win, um, right. <laughs> but he does in the end. So um, I, I guess we should mention, like, in the middle of all of this, Drum Island happens. Yeah, because... Yeah, Drum Island's a good so, God, the emotions. Nami so, at, yeah, so Nami catches a cold, and they need to get to an island to find a doctor because they don't have a doctor on their ship, and she's the only intelligent human on there. Uh... So they have to go find a doctor, and they manage to find this weird island that's like oh, all a winter island, where there's no doctors, except one mysterious witch. Um, so remember what I said, like, this is this part where One Piece starts this thing where it's building and building and building before it hits, like, the crescendo of the arc. So this, like, whole mini arc that's as long as, it's like two volumes around, something like that? Yeah. Um, I'm actually trying to check. Uh, yeah, it's around, um, two volumes, um, two and a half of them. Yeah, it's about two and a half volumes where they, they go to this other island where there's this whole story about this shitty king who basically abandons the whole island with all the doctors. Um, who is now trying to roll back and just take over again. But unfortunately for him, Luffy and his friends are there at that moment and kick his ass and in kicking his ass, uh, meet a very cool kid named chopper who uh, is, chopper. he's a reindeer 
that ate like a devil fruit, like a human Literally devil it's just fruit. Called the human human fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes him a human reindeer, basically. Uh, so he transforms into like more or less. He's kind of like a humanoid reindeer. He can talk, and he's a doctor. And we get his whole tragic backstory about being like a strange creature and nobody liking him, and uh, eventually him joining the crew and all him that. Learning, him learning to be a doctor yeah. and what that means for him and Dr. Kureha, who's an amazing character. We need to see more of just, there's so much emotion in that arc. Oh my God. So he's like, this it's like, like the moment for him is that he has, he has to accept that these people accept him for who he right. is. He says something to Luffy like, but I'm a monster or something like that. And he's like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how Luffy feels about it. You're cool. I want you on my crew. Also, you're a doctor and we desperately need one that's of you. That's not going right. Right. <laughs> really, though. Um, yeah, you're cool. That's why Luffy wants you to join the crew. Uh, yeah, it's it's great. One other thing that happens in this arc before we move back to Alabasta, I do want to mention, because we've been talking about world building, there's a moment, and it's at the end, where it's Kureha, and I don't remember his name, um, the the guy who's kind of protecting the, the, the villagers, who was a former vassal for the King Wapple, I can't remember his name, um, Dalton. Um, they're talking at the end and Kureha says to Dalton, have you ever heard of Gold D. Roger? And he goes, Gold Roger? Is that, everyone knows about him. And she's like, Gold Roger, is that what they're calling him now? Um, and that's the first, I'm pretty sure it's the first moment. Um, there might be one before that where they see Luffy's, where someone comments on Luffy's name. Um, but it's one of the first moments where they go, where they highlight the D as like, or where Oda highlights the D as a like significant thing is a significant part of Luffy's name. Mm -hmm. And it's not just like he has a middle name that starts with a D. Right. Right. And that shit matters later on. Also, Dalton's like a really great character. Everything he did, I was like, Oh my God, big mood. Like he's just like, he's one of the best small characters. And of course, not every character can join the crew, but I was definitely like, no, Dalton, come back. Please. <laughs> he has to be the new boss. Yeah. The new, like, mayor or whatever they're making yeah. him. I know. Just like with VV, I'm like, I understand why you have to stay, but my heart's still breaking. <laughs> like, no, is the I ship's love like. the VV. The good thing about One uh. Piece, though, is that uh, if unless you see a character literally die, you're probably going to see them again. Right. <laughs> also, if you see them literally die, that might not yeah, mean they're you dead. You have to like, see them dead in the in the. Panel. You have to like yeah. see them. Yeah, you have to see yeah. their corpse. Right. To believe it <laughs> in One Piece. Uh, so then they actually go to Alabasta, yeah. and Alabasta actually at Alabasta is a pretty lengthy bit, from what I recall. Yeah, it's a it's a good stretch. Um, it's definitely one of the longer. It's, it's I think it's the longest arc up until this point by a fair oh, yeah, function. Uh, um, eight volumes here. But you really get a yeah, and you get a real kind of feel for like Alabasta as a place, 
um, as opposed to just being, you know, I mean, I mean, we get a little bit of that with some of the earlier villages and stuff or the people that live there, but I mean, the physicality of Alabasta is really important, like the geography of it and the weather I mean, patterns and stuff. Like, he all shows of that is maps. Really critical. Like, there's yeah. maps all the time to tell you where everyone is and where they're going. Right, and that's all really critical to understanding the arc. So, like, the sense of place is very, very strong in Alabasta. All right, looking up Alabasta. Uh, 13 volumes for, like, this entire thing that we've been talking about. Eight volumes for, like, the stuff after Drum Island. Yeah, that sounds about right. Right. Yeah, they get to Drum Island, and then, like, yeah, once they they arrive at Alabasta, it's just, like, full bore on this story. And it's... And it's really complex, and it goes a lot of places. They go all over the island, trying to like stop the uh, civil war from happening. And we also get a lot of like creatures, like we have with uh, with Karu and the the what was the squadron, the Duck Squadron, Supersonic <laughs> Squadron. You know, like you get all these the, and the the little karate seals, and there's so many like. There's just so much to it. Like it uh, there's feels. There's eyelashes, the camel. Eyelashes, the camel. Yeah. There's yeah, the, like... the the pervy uh, crab. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember what the crab was called, but We're really showing off. Uh, or Oga's really showing off his creativity here. Like we've already seen it with the with the abilities mm-hmm. with the Gelfru powers. Uh, but here's like some of the monsters that he has that uh, are not just like immediately being punched by Luffy. And I believe uh, this is also where we first see Ace, right? It is where we first yes. meet Ace, uh, Luffy's older uh, brother. Yeah, and I believe they uh, the, they highlight the D there as well, don't they? Yeah, because his name is Portgas D Ace. Um, so yeah, they they make a point of mentioning his name in full. Because mm-hmm. um, they, I think uh, Smoker mentioned something about. Why, like, what are two of them doing here at the same place or something like that? Yeah. Right. Uh, I think. Um, and, I mean, the arc itself is really good. It's, in a lot of ways, like, while Arlong, I mean, I mean, I'll say this point blank, I think Arlong's better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, Alabasta is the first arc where you, where you see what One Piece actually is, I think, is what I'm trying to say. Like, here is the whole world of this. Because it gives you all of the parts at once. Because it gives you, all right, we're going to save these people, we're going to save our friend, we're going to help our friend, you know. Um, But also there's these giant, like, world-shaking machinations happening in the background... There's these mysteries about about the past, the his, history kind of floating around over there. Um, there's, you know, warlords of the sea. There's marines. There's all these different sides dealing with each other. And in the middle, there's the Straw Hats just trying to help somebody, help their friend. Um, and all of that happening around them at once. And it's really big. And I think that's why this arc tends to get a lot of uh, love, is because it's that first really big one in that sense. Um, I'm not sure where I'm going from here, so someone else feel free, <laughs> feel free to say something. Yeah, uh, it definitely. Um, 
if if Arlong is the emotional uh, sort of watershed moment, Alabasta feels like the world building watershed moment. Like so much is unfurled, so much is revealed, and as opposed to just saying like, okay, you know, most stories in your epilogue or whatever, especially for a long running work, you're going to have one or two sort of hanging questions and threads that like, okay, well, I see what we're going to be following up on. Whereas with Alabasta, it feels like everywhere you look, there's a new like direction that needs to be followed up. There's a new question that needs to be answered. There's a character that needs to be explored. There's, there's just, there's so much and it's almost like, okay, where do we even start? Um, and you can tell, like, this is really going to be going... I mean, if, if you know, you, you get the sense that, like, if Ona follows up on even half of this, mm-hmm. we're going to be at this for a long time. And obviously, we've been at yeah. this for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, there's just... There's a lot to this very straightforward world about a pirate kid who wants to be the best pirate. Um, there's <laughs> there's just a lot more to it than, than how easy it is to sum up. Um, and... As I guess is the tradition of all things, you know, it's not just about the Dragon Balls. It's about more than that, but in a, a, a much bigger way than I think some other works in a similar vein have done. Yeah, Uga has uh, appropriately raised the stakes through this point, I believe. Um, you know, we, we first saw a couple individual pirate crews with uh, what's his face with the like claw thingies and Usopp's arc, um, and then uh, the Baraxier dude. Uh, and then you saw like a, a crew that was taking over an entire town, and now you see like this entire uh, what appears to be a huge mafia-ish thing with uh, with Crocodile. He has uh, billions and millions, so there's like this delineation between how strong everybody is, uh, and then Mister mm-hmm. Zero through however many numbers there are. Um, where you get, like, the power levels of them, quote-unquote. Like, like One Piece never goes out of the way to say power levels like Dragon Ball. Um, Your bounty is kind of your power level. Yeah. How many berries you're worth. And you definitely get the sense that, like, even if the other... Because Crocodile is one of the seven warlords of the sea, even if all you get are the other six warlords, like Luffy having to conquer those six... Like, this could be a really long-running and epic manga, but of course, like, there's going to be more to it than just those other six. But, you know, even if those other six arcs are just equivalent length, like, I'm going to be here a while. (laughs) You've got so much more to do. And you're going to be here a while. Yeah. Um, And this arc is another one where it does a really good job of giving everyone kind of a villain to conquer themselves. Or like a, like a fight. Everyone gets their own fight. This is a, right. Like Nami's yeah. first big fight, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, she fights the the woman with all the spikes. Um, uh, Miss uh, is that Wednesday? No. Um, she's got a holiday name. Um. Oh yes, Val- Valentine. Maybe? No. No. It might be Val. Is it? Because Nico Robin is Miss no, Sunday. No, no, no. It's a. Damn it, what is her name? Killing me. She's Mr. One's partner. Ah, damn it, what the hell's her name? Double finger. That's double it. finger, that's it. Yeah, that's why yeah. it's weird. Yeah, but Nami Nami's fight there and her using the the weather baton that Usopp made and everything. Like that's a lot of really and, good stuff. All and, and that bit's loaded with gags too. Yes. Because it's all Usopp built this stupid weapon, not really understanding what he was making in a sense. 
uh, and she has to figure out how to use it as a weapon in spite yeah, of his design. His instruction manual, and he's like, press this for a party favor. Uh, yeah, things like, this is yeah, great at parties. Like learning while she's fighting uh, Miss Doublefinger, who is presumably the second strongest woman in, in all of Baroque works. Zoro fights Mr. One, who is like a man whose entire body is a sword. So he has to fight like a sword man, and with the entire idea being... To beat this guy, he has to figure out how to cut. He has to obtain the ability to um, cut steel. Uh, and one of the greatest, oh, that manga page when he does it is just amazing. Oh, it's one of the best splash pages in the comic. Oh, my God, that splash is just gorgeous. Like, oh, shit, it's so awesome. So good. Somehow Zoro gets cooler. <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> um... Sanji fights Mr. Two, Bon Clay. Yeah, we haven't even talked about Bon Clay. Like, bon Clay, who is a fan favorite character. What an, what an amazing character. Um, yeah, the guy, there's so much in that arc. So many. And, like, I guess that's the thing. I was just like, there's, like, I, I guess another creator would have spread this out. It just feels like it's all jam-packed, but it doesn't feel overstuffed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't feel overstuffed. Uh I gotta mention, I love the moment where Usopp uses his, uh, was it his 10-ton hammer? The 10-ton hammer, quote-unquote, yeah. (laughs) uh, On, I think it's Mr. Four, but the guy's, like, a slow slow person, like, in the literal sense. He moves very slowly Mm -hmm. um, and talks very slowly, so he, like, hits him with this hammer, and he's, like, showing off, yeah, 10 tons, 10 tons, or whatever it is, and then the guy just gets up. And then everyone realizes it wasn't a real hammer, and it's freaking great. But his inventiveness is still what wins him that fight. Mm-hmm. He figures out, oh, their weaknesses, all these holes they're burrowing into, are connected to each other. We can use that to our advantage. Because he's um, fighting with Chopper, and then Mr. Four, of course, has his, uh, the partner. That's, uh, she's a Miss yeah. Merry Christmas, um, and she's a mole woman. So she, like, digs holes. And they have a gun that ate a dog fruit. Yeah, it's like a gun. It's like a dog, and it's got, like, like a runny nose, and it's sneezing explosive baseballs. Is that what's happening? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's, like, that's like just one fight. Like, that is a fight in that arc. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, like, one of the least ridiculous things yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah, Alabast is really yeah. great. It's really good. Even little side characters, like, um... King Cobra's, uh, his two advisors, uh, Pell and, um, the Jackal, uh, they're both really great little side characters that get a, a fair amount of development or his, his, the young man that is the resistance leader and stuff like that. Like just, you know, th- there's so many characters that are jammed in there and yet they, they, they don't all, they don't feel underused. They, they have little mini arcs that they go through and the impacts. Like it's, it's just good. It's really good stuff. Yeah. I think like, the whole culmination of the of the civil war where everyone where they try to stop it and Kuza tries to help uh, Vivi stop it by crocodiles infiltrated both sides so deeply that someone just shoots him and incites the battle mm-hmm. and then they just won't stop fighting no matter what happens is really really well done and then like there's all this panic because crocodiles setting setting off a giant bomb in the square where all the fighting's happening 
and this like desperate search to find it and when they find it Pell presumably gives his life to fly because he turns into a yep. falcon yeah. <laughs> uh, and flies into the sky with the bomb to stop it and it explodes but that's not enough to stop the fighting they keep fighting after the bomb explodes and the fighting doesn't actually stop until it starts to rain which is like here's the the symbol of this being over mm-hmm. everyone can finally you know live again and we can stop fighting and reveal what actually happened god it's really dark <laughs> yeah um luffy's final fight with crocodile is fantastic yeah, every like, one of his battles is so good crocodile like crocodile's power is i think visually so like I know this is a really sort of simple and basic thing, but he looks like he has sand powers. Like, it's like just watching his body morph and like r- sort of reassemble, like the sand is just a really appealing texture on the page. And like the way he uses it and attacks and fights with the big hook and uh, multiple hooks, you know, just really exciting uh, and fun to watch. Like, uh, you know, characters having disappearing powers and stuff usually get like a poof of smoke or something that's, you know, it's fine, but like, there's a real texture to crocodiles like sand abilities that's just great to look at it's just i don't know it's a piece for the eyes i think yeah he's very cool looking and the way he beats him is really cool because like the big struggle for luffy is he can't hit him because he can turn into sand Mm -hmm. so what do you do against a man who can turn into sand well you get him wet so he clumps up and can't fly away um and that's his solution to it is i'm going to spit water on you more or less to stop you from being able to run away so he does that a bunch his own blood at one point right yeah that's that's the coolest shit that's great because he (laughs) can't beat him he's run out of water they're fighting underground and he's literally using his own blood he's bleeding he's dying from being poisoned at the same time like he's barely holding anything together he's barely alive but his fists are he's bleeding all over his arms and his fists and because of that it's making the sand wet and he's beating the crap out of crocodile mm-hmm. yeah yep. it's fucking yep. great so good it's so like visceral just the biggest thing and Oga is great at those moments it's like yeah it's so good at that stuff. Uh, uh, well, did we have uh, any uh, any last thoughts on on, on Alabasta? Uh, I don't want to like go forever. Uh, uh, well, Nico Robbins, oh, yes, great. Yeah, she's a really good uh, character. Probably mention her. Definitely some body horror there, but not too terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> with her powers. Um, she's freaking great though. Um, she's another one who specifically mentions D. So that that starts happening all the time at this point, basically. Like, she says something to Luffy, what drives you people with the D, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very interesting. Um, and then, yeah, she joins the crew at the end. Yep. Yeah, which I was hoping it would be Vivi, but I'm also not sad that it's all Sunday, because she's great, yeah. too. So. <laughs> that was kind of like yeah. the first unexpected joining. Um, oh, it, it's a complete bait-and-switch yeah. thing. Right. I was thinking about right. that, reading it again, because it's like... Wait, what? <laughs> they spend all this time having you 
fall in love with Vivi as this character uh, that, like, and you love her. You don't want her to go away. And she does. And that scene's fantastic, too, where they all hold up the their arms with the X's on them to show that we'll, we'll always, it's basically saying we'll always be friends even if we can't be together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's great. There, there was the perception at that time, Vivi is the princess of this kingdom, Luffy is this pirate that is wanted by the government, uh, you can't be known to associate with this person. Uh, but they exactly. knew this because uh, Von Clay had, uh, had the powers to copy faces, um, so they, they needed some way to differentiate Von Clay between the rest of them, uh, so they wrapped up their arms, put an X on it, and that becomes the image at the end. Um, and then so they so they're all like they leave and then Robin's on the ship. So it's like mm-hmm. you're 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 heartbroken. Uh Vivi, this character you love, is gone. And then Robin shows up on the ship and is like, Hey yeah, some nerds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah some nerds, I wanna I wanna join your crew. Yeah, I want to and like, Luffy's I'm going like to. okay. And Luffy doesn't even like hesitate. Yeah, he's like, to sure, why not? And everyone else, is <laughs> and he has to explain everybody. Uh, she she saved my life. Yeah, like, everyone twice. else, is, of course, suspicious of her. Yeah, but they like quickly are won over yeah, by her because mm-hmm. of her party. And it's like, yeah, more or less. Well, like I, I think I think the best part of that game, like obviously the other dumb children, it's not surprising she wins them over. But Nami particularly, I laugh the hardest because she fell just as quick as the rest of them. Even though she's like, I can't believe you guys are falling for it. And she's like, but I have money. And then, you know, I love you, uh, Oni. Oni yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, she's in too. You know, the others, you're like, well, of course they're gonna fall for it because these are my dumb children. But that was great. Well, that was well, Otis reading. I really liked uh, Usopp because they like Usopp tries really hard to resist it, um, and then uh, there's a bit, and then like Luffy calls him over and he's like, and he's got two of Robin's arms sticking out of his head, and Luffy's like, hey, hey, Usopp, look, I'm Chopper, and oh my god, yes, and Usopp that just is the loses best. his mind laughing, <laughs> it's, and it's extremely stupid, you know, Sanji's obviously won over because she's pretty, yeah. um. And it doesn't then, take much yeah. for Sanji. Zoro's <laughs> the only one that doesn't like, who isn't won over by her, where he's like, I'm he's gonna be a, called. He has a normal level yeah. of suspicion, which seems uh, which seems overt compared to the rest yeah. of them, yeah. just because he's got a normal level. Yeah, Zoro is. Uh, <laughs> this is another like interesting thing about Zoro and why I like him. He's just kind of this stupid character who's the bug of jokes because he gets lost. He's always fighting with Sanji. He's this super strong guy. He seems uh, he seems like relatively one note, uh, but you know, there is more multitudes than that. But then you get this moment with Robin. You get moments later uh, in Water 7 and Thriller Bark where he like you really notice where the layers of Zoro are. Yeah. Yeah, totally yeah. co and all that. Yeah. Very good stuff. Thank you. I'm not off base. There's just like five seconds of silence. Well, it's always weird with Scott. Like, I don't want to jump in and cut anybody off. <laughs> but no, yeah, totally. I mean, Zoro's, yeah, that's just, I don't know. That's what's so great, I think, about him is like he's not really, except for his ridiculously above average sword talent, like his skill with the blade. He's either just kind of average or maybe slightly below average in kind of everything. Like, he's not. He's not as ridiculous, like, you know, Chopper and Usopp and Luffy are, like, just these, like, 
absurd characters. You know, I mean, they're they're very direct and simple, but they're very over the top. Or like Nami and her, like you know, she, she's always got a scheme. She's always running, you know, a plan. She's always got it figured out. But like Zoro is just like he's really good with the sword, but he's just kind of a dude. <laughs> <laughs> and so like even in that scene where he's like just kind of like I don't know, guys. Like I said, he's not like. You know, I'm the ultimate warrior, and I've seen through her technique, and I can tell that she's lying to us. He's just like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Like, but that's enough for him because everyone else is so like on these other ends. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, man, Alabaster's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do we have any final thoughts on on One Piece so far before we get into questions? Super um, good. Super super good. I shouldn't have waited so long to read it. Yeah, <laughs> you shouldn't really have. I was a, I was a fool, a fool. Well, you you've learned the error yeah. of your ways. I truly have. So you're okay. Um, you've re- corrected the error of your ways. I guess that's what I should say. Um, there's one bit that comes after this that I love, and Grant is past it, so I can mention it now. Hooray! Um, I'll I'll say this in advance. Skypea is my least favorite arc. Um. But there's a moment that happens before Skypea that I love. You're actually on the island, Sky Island, right? Uh, no, I am. What did I just finish today? Oh my gosh, we've been delving through the past. Um, I just got not the chapter where Bellamy gets knocked to the ground. Bellamy's springing around and Luffy knocks him to the ground. The chapter right after that. Okay, so that's the moment I wanted to talk about. Okay, great. <laughs> Literally, because Perfect. it's my favorite part of that entire like arc, more or less. So good, so good. Is uh, Bellamy's just this dickhead pirate dude who's like, he's a young kind of, he's a really young and kind of stupid, but he's strong enough that he's gotten kind of an inflated ego, and he has a relatively high bounty on him, like sixty million something like that. Um. So he's got, like, an inflated ego about his high bounty, and he thinks he's mm-hmm. tough shit. As you mentioned, Grant, on some level, especially in this part of One Piece, like, bounty value is kind of treated as, like, power level. Right, right. Um, that is at so least he, a perception in the text. <laughs> yes. Uh, and he thinks Luffy's bounty is $30 million because before Alabasta, it was... Uh, so he thinks Luffy's nothing. To, he's nothing. I'm not. I don't have to worry about this guy. And he starts a bunch of shit, and he goes beats up this old man that's Luffy's friend, ostensibly, uh, because Luffy's decided he's, he's friend his friend now. Mm-hmm. Once he's friends with you, he he is on your side forever, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and he beats up this guy, and Luffy has none of this shit. And like. Earlier in the when they first arrive at the island, Luffy and them deliberately don't fight Bellamy and his friends because they don't see them as worth their time. Like they're not worth they fighting. They get beat up they're, by him, don't they? Yeah, they do. They get beat yeah. up by him, and as a result of that, Bellamy thinks he's nothing. He thinks he has a higher bounty than the guy. Luffy strolls into town, and Bellamy's underling and him just get the absolute living shit beat out of them <laughs> more or less immediately by Luffy. Yeah. Right. And it rules so hard. Because <laughs> it's like he's bouncing around like a jackass thinking he's hot shit and Luffy just punches yeah. him. Like, One shots him so into great. the dirt. Like, <laughs> incredible. And then they find out that Luffy has a hundred million uh, very... 
bounty, not yeah, like a $30 million berry bounty. Yeah. yeah. It's freaking great. I love that scene so yeah. much. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I actually just tweeted at Grant when he when he tweeted his Bellamy pic uh, of him getting punched in the face. I'm like, when I saw that you tweeted that Bellamy showed up, I was waiting for you to tweet this image. <laughs> because it would yeah. happen. It has to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so good. It's such a great... It, oh, what a moment. Yeah. What a moment. Loaded yeah. with moments. Uh, man, One Piece is so good. It's yeah. very good. Yeah, and I, I guess that's the thing. I mean, for something that is, you know, sometimes when something is massively popular, you sort of are conditioned to think, well, it's probably just mediocre enough that enough people can enjoy it or something. Like, that's just kind of a place that you get to because so many things that are popular are just consistently mediocre. Like, they're not particularly great. They're just, they don't really drop the ball. So I'm, com- I just, as a newcomer to it, I'm completely amazed that the most popular thing basically ever is actually super consistently incredible. Like I just wasn't anticipating that, you know, and maybe that's just my own prior biases, but that's just one of those things that I was not prepared for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is a reason behind most things popularity and one piece has very good reason behind its popularity. Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I think we've, uh, we certainly haven't exhausted everything that we could talk about One Piece, but we've been going on for a little bit here. Uh, so, like, to move on to questions, uh, we have a couple, uh, couple questions. Uh, first, from Meowth900, why do you think, or why, who do you think gets more ladies, Luffy, Zoro, Sanji, or Chopper? Hitting the hard-hitting questions first. It depends. I mean, you'd ha- you'd have to define getting ladies. Yeah, because like obviously Chopper gets the most ladies because they perceive him as being young and cute. Yeah, and a pet. Ah, uh, so there's that. Beyond that, Zoro. Yeah, I think it's probably yeah. Zoro. Like just I was gonna say like Zoro. I think maybe more than anyone, Zoro seems least likely to drive them away. Does that make sense? Like, not so much that he has more skill than the rest of them. I just don't think he would mess it up like the rest of them would. <laughs> or, like, I think he would pay attention long enough. Like, he's got kind of a thing with Tashigi a little bit. is sort of implied, at least, where I'm at in the, in the story. So, and that, but even the rest of them just seems like they would be like, oh, a butterfly, and just run off and forget. Or San, Sanji, who comes on, uh, shall we say, very strong, uh, maybe a bit too much. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Sanji would come on too strong. Luffy's too oblivious, really. Uh, mm-hmm. Chopper's... Usopp, what would he even do? Chopper, what would he even do? Like, they don't know what they're Usopp doing. Usopp would be like the <laughs> awkward teenager. Yes. Usopp, Usopp has someone he's in love with already. Yeah. Too. Yeah, it's true, he does. So long ago, we already forgot. Uh, Alright, and then, I think this is a good question. Again, uh, end the podcast on from Narutaki RT. Uh, Alabasca is often considered the best arc of One Piece. Why do you think that is? Uh, and do you agree? Hmm. I mean, I'll let Grant answer first. I mean, I, he's I, got I think, a, he's got a different perspective. Sure. I mean, I think yeah, it's considered that, like, for a lot of the reasons we mentioned, there is, I mean, if you like, even if you like what the prior arcs have brought, which is, you know, emotional uh, heft and, like, the weird and wild character designs with interesting and cool powers. Like, Alabasta has all of that, too. Like, it has all of the same things the prior arcs 
have had. You know, again, I haven't. I'm not past it just yet. I'm only just now getting to Skypea. Um, but it also has the added kind of geopolitical and literal geographical features. The all the different weird characters and monsters, like the the sort of flora and fauna, like the world feels uh, quite fully realized. And that's um, I think maybe not so much that it's more than what. I mean, I'm sure later arcs will do this too, but uh, this is the first arc to do it, so uh, at least in comparison to the prior stuff, so it's going to stand out a lot more, certainly in people's memory, like, you know, before this point, did you know about all the other warlords? Did you know about the world government? Did you, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, it's going to, it all sort of comes out here, and so it's going to stand out very strongly in people's mind. Do I agree with it, that it being the best? I mean, it's naturally building on a lot of what's come before, so I always hate, I hate ranking things like that that, like, it, it doesn't, it, you know, this arc doesn't exist if you don't have the arcs before it, and so on and so forth. Um, but some of my favorite moments were in it, and Crocodile is my, well, I love Buggy a lot, but Crocodile, like, in terms of just, like, a being a villain with a lot of presence, like, I think, yeah, it's probably my favorite so far. See, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of ways to say these things that don't spoil <laughs> anything. Um, what I'll say is, do I agree with that? No. I mean, I don't even think it's the best arc of what we've talked about tonight. I think I think Arlong Park is better um, uh, for reasons I think I already outlined. Um, I think there's stuff that comes later that's better as well, um, without you know being any more specific. Um, I think a lot of the reason that it gets a lot of love like that is like it's kind of uh there's a couple bits to it vivi is a really great character Mm -hmm. and she's a great like addition to the cast for a long period of time that's 12 volumes or whatever that she's a member of the cast that's whole series um worth of time with this character sure and i think a lot of people love her and they genuinely miss her and so she's very important to them um I think what Grant touched on is really right, too, in that it's kind of the first arc where you see all these things come together and you see this kind of bigger world. And, like, it feels, quote unquote, epic in a way that it hadn't been yet. Sure. Even in Arlong Park. So, like, all of that mixed together is a big part of why it gets a lot of that. The other part, and this might be me, me like this might just be in my head. I wonder how much of it is. It's kind of the place people make it before they maybe fall off. Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, that's true. Because it's a really long, it's such a long series, and it's such a big arc. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I mean, and I'll say if you, this: if you I, say it's the best, then nothing better comes after it. You don't have to feel bad about never finishing it. <laughs> yeah, and and I would say. In my opinion, and I'm saying this realizing I'm not trying to color your views of things, uh, I think the arc that follows it up is significantly is a significant um, downgrade from it. Interesting, because a lot of people have been telling me, I mean, just as many people have been telling me that this is their favorite arc as did people who told me that uh, Alabasta was. Again, it's yep. a small small sample size, but yeah. sure. I, mean, I think a lot of these... um, again, that's my opinion. <laughs> Like I, I already said that, yeah, that's my opinion of of Skypea yeah. specifically. Mm. Um, but 
I think it's a mix of all of those things that end up making it very important to a lot of people. It's also one of the only movies we got was the movie that retold the <laughs> Alabasta in the U.S. Uh, interesting. Uh, weirdly enough. I don't know why we haven't gotten... Because we've got that one, and then we've gotten all the new ones that have come, like all the ones that Oda's actually been directly involved with, like since movie 10. Um, but we haven't gotten any of the older movies from the past. So... Mm. That's interesting. But yeah. I mean, it's still great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's just on parts yeah, better. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with everything uh, everyone else says. If I had to hypothesize on my own, uh, it's probably like the first huge arc. Uh, I mean, it is the first huge arc. Um, so you kind of get uh, really involved getting in Alabasta much more than anything else, like it's 13 volumes compared to 4 volumes of Arlong Park, and I agree with uh, I agree with Pax, Arlong Park has been my favorite of the arcs that we've talked about thus far um, but uh, a lot of these early arcs uh, Arlong Park uh, Skypea, Alabasta and uh, the one following uh, Skypea are I think they all are in the talks for like favorite One Piece arcs for individuals and um it just kind of varies on on the individual because there is, uh, as always, very creative things going on in each of the arcs and like unique to to the arcs to the locations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but well, it's been uh, however long it's been. Uh, let, let's close. Let's it's close this thing out. Uh, where can we find everybody online? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at. Pat's Prime, P-A-T-Z-P-R-I-M-E, and you can listen to me talk about robots on The Cockpit, which is at thecockpit.net. Grant? Uh, you can find me at Twitter, uh, at Grant the Thief, uh, where I'm always posting bad jokes. Uh, you can and follow me. And One Piece Takes. And the One Piece Takes. That's the have primary you, thing. The primary two things I'm known for. One Piece Takes, the Grant line yet? No, I oh, thought okay. about it though. I that's mean, really that's definitely, good. That's a good one. Thank you, Corey, yeah. for powering me up. You, you fool! You've just yeah, fed into my yeah. power. Um, I absorbed the strength of your fist into my own foo. Um, and uh, you can also find me uh, the two podcasts that I run, uh, Blade Licking Thieves, uh, with my two good buddies, uh, where we review uh, Eastern media and uh, Super Senpai podcast, where we talk about Tokusatsu specifically. Um, and then I also write for Yadatachi and then occasionally for a couple other sites as well. So I'm, I'm around. You can find me if for some reason you want to. And if you want to listen to me talk at length about Shonen Adventure comics constantly, um, one, you should go listen to the one I did with Corey about My Hero Academia. It's <laughs> literally just me ranting for an hour and a half There's or whatever. Like 30, 40 minutes on just me next to an endeavor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have strong feelings about those characters. Um, and tell Corey he should keep having me do this. <laughs> and I'm going to keep doing it, I even if should. they tell me not to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's one I need to catch up on, too. I've only seen, like, the first core of that, the first 13, and I haven't picked it back up. I need to. Mm, I, went, I just so decided to, I decided to pick up a quick little short show, one read of One yeah. Piece, bop yeah, on over when I'm done. <laughs> well, maybe after the, the, the Yu Yu show walk, he'll jump over to my Hiroki unit. That's true, that's true. But then I've been looking at Dragon Ball Super, too. I've been away from my, my first yeah. love for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did Dragon Ball right. Super. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Impassion K. I do another podcast called the Taiku Podcast, which is usually about sports anime. 
which is also where you can find the episodes of this podcast, taikupodcast.com, and you can find this podcast on Twitter, at Mongoing Your Ears. Uh, and thank you both for coming on, talking about One Piece for however the heck long it's been. Nice. We should do this again once Grant yes, gets further uh, in. Yeah, yeah, this is a lot of fun. Have me back on anytime. Ready and willing, uh, after Skypea, we'll have you back on and just keep doing that after recharge. Sure. Yeah. Oh, man, do I have to reread yeah, Skypea? You don't have to. <laughs> oh, now I definitely want to do it, just to hear just to hear yeah. past lament. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh. I have strong feelings well, about that arc. Yeah, um, I, on the on the next podcast. Uh, yeah, until let's then, yeah stop before I start everybody. going. <laughs> Bye.